Lord God, thank you for this evening. Thank you for the the chance to be able to come into your presence and to proclaim your goodness to us. Proclaim how how good you are, not not only to us, but to to all of the earth. And Lord, I just pray that as as we dwell on this this passage tonight, that you would speak to each one of us, speak to our hearts, soften our hearts, and and teach us what you would have to, have us to hear. In your name, Amen. Every good superhero movie has has an excellent preview or trailer, doesn't it? Gee, I'm, I'm so looking forward to this new projector that's coming in a couple of weeks. So looking forward to it. And my, my PowerPoints will actually work then. But every good, every good movie comes with a, an excellent trailer or preview to it, doesn't it? It, it comes with a, a, a pre-released um, introduction to the, to the movie. Think about Star Wars Episode 7, um, Civil, Civil War, American... Uh, see, I'm the most unqualified to do this sermon. <laughs> Captain America, Civil War, the Avengers, um, even the James Bond movies, they all came with, with excellent previews. And some of them even made the, the internet melt with um, people watching them over and over again. I want to think, I want you to think of, of tonight's passage as somewhat of a preview to the, to the letter of Romans. If it was a movie trailer, it would have the central character, Paul. Paul, he would be our, our central character, but he wouldn't be the superhero. He'd be um, introduced as, as the key figure, but, but he would be second to Jesus. Jesus would be like the, the, the subtle, big, excellent, um, awesome superhero of the day in the background. And it would focus in on the words in the passage like power and resurrection from the dead. But it would add words like epic and awesome and all of those sort of words that you hear in, in the trailers. And essentially that's what this passage is to the letter of Romans. It's an introduction. It's Paul writing to the Roman church and saying, Hi, I'm Paul. Um, I'm, I'm an apostle, and, and he introduces himself to the Roman church. Now, Paul hasn't visited the Roman church. He doesn't know anyone in the Roman church. It would be me, like me, writing a letter to the, to the church in Mackay and, and saying, Hi, I'm Pastor Dale from North Pine Baptist Church, associate pastor, and I introduce myself. Not only does Paul introduce himself, but he introduces three things. And I want you to have a look at these three things with me tonight. He introduces one that I've already talked about, his master. He introduces his mandate and he introduces his mission. Now the second one, mandate, is not two guys going out to a barbecue restaurant. A mandate, I will get to that eventually, but I don't want you to think that way. Every agent has a, has a master, don't they? Or a boss. Think of James Bond, 007. He has, um, 
he's responsible to, to MI6. All the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they're responsible to Nick Fury. And in Romans chapter 1, or even right throughout the, the book of Romans, Paul is saying that his master is Jesus. His boss is Jesus. And he uses the word servant. He says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. This word servant here is not just um, Jeebs dressed up in a butler's uniform and, and doing his master's beck and call when the master rings the bell. But it carries a bigger meaning than that. It carries a meaning of almost being a slave, a slave to Jesus. He's bound to Jesus. And, and he's 100% devoted to doing his master's will and desires. It's not, not a master and slave relationship what, like what you might think about um, in the days of the American cotton fields where there was the master with the whip and the slaves with hard work, work, um, work-weary hands. But more of a, a slave that is, is fully devoted to doing the master's will. Fully devoted out of their love, love and, um, and out of their, out of their devotion rather than obligation and oppression or violence. And the slave is not a mindless slave that's just there to do the master's beck and call out of oppression and, and violence, like I said. They're there because they've been set free. They're no longer literal slaves. They're no longer slaves to sin, but their master has set them free from that kind of slavery. And that kind of slave knows that their master has their best interests at heart. Can you see that this is the kind of slave-master relationship that Paul is trying to, to outline here? He's trying to say that Jesus is a master like no other. And the reason he's a master like no other is because Jesus is 100% man and 100% God. He says this in verses 3 and 4 of, you know, I've kept my Bible open. I hope you have, or you've got your mobile phone open. He says in verse 3 and 4, Concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. There's, there's masters and then there's masters. There's masters who are, who are men and, um, and then there's Jesus Christ who is a man and yet God. The fact that, that Paul outlines about Jesus being descended from David and, and, um, and of the flesh shows that, that Paul's master, Jesus, is 100% man. He was, in fact, David's great, 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 no, I don't know how many, um, grandson. He was a descendant of David. But the true importance of this, of, of Jesus being a man, 
is that Jesus is able to empathise. I'm getting all tongue-tied tonight. He's empathising. He's able to empathise with our weaknesses. He's able to empathise with our, our human limitations. It means that, that Jesus knows what it's like to be cold. He knows what it's like to be hungry or weary. He knows what it's like to be tired. And this makes Jesus the perfect sacrifice for our sins. He was a man who could empathise with our weaknesses and yet was without sin. Makes him the perfect sacrifice for our sins. But not only is Jesus 100% man, but he's 100% God as well. Romans 4, chapter Chapter 1, verse 4 says, And was declared to be the Son of God in power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead. See, these are kind of the, the, the words that the movie trailer would focus in on. Power and resurrection from the dead. If you find it hard to compute about Jesus being 100% man and 100% God... You should try coming up and, and explaining it <laughs> from here. It's, it's hard to think about two things that we see as separate, God and man, being in the one. It's hard to, to comprehend that, isn't it? Paul's master, Jesus, never walked around shouting from the rooftops, I am God and I am going to take over the world and defeat the enemy. You'd see that on, on the movie um, or, or other movies, not about Jesus. Jesus wouldn't do that. He was humble. He, he not only just um, walked around teaching and preaching and, and doing things that God was doing, but he proved who he was through the power of the resurrection from the dead. He did it in actions rather than words. And so Paul, in our passage, introduces himself as a humble servant of Jesus Christ, a master who is able to comprehend our weaknesses and yet a master who proved himself to be all-powerful by overcoming death, proved himself to be the Son of God. The second thing that he points out is that, that Paul's mandate... That is an official order or commission. It is, is an order from someone higher than themselves. Every superhero or every agent um, like James Bond has, has a special power or a, a distinct set of skills, don't they? Hulk has his incredible strength. Superman has his incredible strength as well. James Bond has a, a license to kill. And the Apostle Paul's particular skill or authorization is that he is an apostle. His mandate was that he was called to be an apostle. He was set apart for the gospel of God. What is an apostle? Do you know? No. 
An apostle is someone who has seen Jesus with their very eyes, who has seen the risen Jesus Christ with their own eyes. And there aren't too many people around at the moment that can, that can claim to do that. In fact, there's nobody around that can claim to do that. And so part of, of Paul's special skills and special um, powers is that, that he has been able to see the risen Jesus Christ. The person who is introduced as his master and who is able to overcome death. Paul has this special mandate of being an apostle. But he has also been entrusted with the gospel. He's been entrusted with the gospel, the good news of Jesus' true identity and his, his um, mission to the earth. In verse 5 and 6, he outlines what exactly is his mandate that he has to do. Verse 5 and 6, he says, Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Paul's mandate involves the sharing of this great news. He can't keep it in. He's, he's compelled to share it to those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, even if they don't know it yet. He's compelled to, or, or mandated, to, to bring about faith in people. But even though it's, it's Paul's mandate... Even though it's Paul's um, mission, he says that it doesn't belong to him. He says that, that he's only just authorised from, from Jesus to do this. He's been entrusted with the gospel. And this moves us on to Paul's mission. Paul's mission is to bring about the obedience of faith among people of all nations. I don't know about you, but um, I'm not Jewish. I'm Australian, first and foremost. I was descended from, from Scots, Scottish people, hence the name Buchanan. And so Paul is saying that, that he is, is here with a mission that was given to him by Jesus Christ to bring about the faith of people of all nations. Paul was writing to the, the church in Rome. And if the church in Jerusalem was full of Jewish Christians, if you think about it that way, what would the church in Rome be? What would the church in Rome be full of? It would be full of Roman Christians, wouldn't it? Or Romans. And Romans are referred to as, as um, by the Jewish people, by the, the people of God, they're referred to as the Gentiles. Anyone who wasn't a Jew was referred to as a Gentile, that is, any other nation that was not of Jewish descent. Any other nation that was outside of, of the 
people of God, the chosen race of God, were Gentiles. And so Paul now comes to them and and he's writing to them and and he's saying, this time of of God having a a people of, of just one nation is over. It's, it's a time for the gospel to go out to all nations. It's a time for them to be sure that they are included in this good news. All nations had the opportunity to be agents of the gospel. Fast forward 2,000 years and we see that we still have that opportunity to be agents of the gospel. If we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour, if we are called to do this, then we have been set apart for the gospel of God as well. We have been called to be God's people. Set apart for the gospel of God, which refers to us personally, but, but also that we are able to share with others. We've been saved by God's grace through Jesus to bring us to obedience of faith. We've been saved by the risen Jesus Christ and we belong to Jesus, as Paul says in verse 6. He says, those of you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ... And we've been entrusted with the same responsibility as the Apostle Paul, as agents of the gospel. But it kind of goes a little bit deeper than this. Flick over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 with me. It's only a few pages over. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I'm going to read from verse 18. This is the message of the gospel. Verse 18 of chapter 5. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him, that is Jesus Christ, that we might be the reconciled the righteousness of God, that we might become the righteousness of God. What a privilege. We're not just agents, but ambassadors. When you think about James Bond movies, agents are the ones that are doing the dirty work, isn't it? Aren't they? Ambassadors are the ones that are meeting and greeting with presidents and kings and going to fancy dinners. I reckon it would be pretty cool to be included in, in a special mission with the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or 
um, or the Justice League or something like that. That would be pretty cool. But what Paul is saying here that that we are involved in a special mission. That we are involved as well. That we belong to a master who is far greater than any superhero. And he's raised us to a position of not just agents doing dirty work, but ambassadors. Agents like James Bond or the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. illustrate what it means to truly follow someone. Think of James Bond and his, his master, M., as she's mostly known in the movies. But apparently with some digging, you can find out that she's called Olivia Mansfield. James Bond does what M expects of her, of him. He does exactly what he's told because he respects her authority. Even if M tells 007 to do something that's that is possibly going to end badly, he still follows through on it. Because he knows that M knows better than he does. He recognises her experience and authority as as a super agent or an agent of, of MI6. However, on the other hand, an agent that doesn't recognise M's authority will not follow her, her orders obediently to the nth degree. They know about her experience and believe in that. But, I'm sorry, believing in someone's authority and believing certain information about that authority are two different things. Those who believe in Jesus and his authority not only just believe facts about, about him being the son of God and his atoning death and his resurrection, but they also believe in his right to direct their lives. They follow Jesus 100% as agents or ambassadors of the gospel. We're going to move into a, a time of of communion very shortly. And in this time we have a have a um, a remembrance ceremony, so to speak. A time to remember of what Jesus has done for us in the gospel. It's not simply just bread and wine. It's it's an, an opportunity for us to come and remember what Jesus has done and to be reminded of of our position in Christ, that we were once sinners, and yet through Jesus' death and resurrection we have been reconciled to God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for, especially for the gospel, I thank you for the grace that was shown to us that while we were still sinners, that you died for us. And that you have not only just died for us, but you have brought us 
into your mission for the world. You have brought us into a a plan that you have had from the time before time. You have brought us into a mission to, to reconcile the world to yourself. And Lord, I just pray that, that as we embark on this mission, that we would understand that we are agents of the gospel, ambassadors of Christ. And that one day as ambassadors, we will get to meet with you, see you face to face. Until that day, Lord, help us to be agents that follow you 100%. Not just believing information about you, but believing in your right to rule our lives. Believing in your right to be the master of this world. Lord, again, I thank you for your body and your blood that was shed for us to reconcile us to yourself. Pray these things in your name. Amen. If the... Um, stewards would like to come forward please Like I said, we we don't just have a small piece of bread and a a tiny little cup of juice. We have some elements that remind us of the the pain and the anguish that Jesus went through to, to reconcile us to God. This is his body broken for us and his blood poured out to save us from our sins.
when Jesus was initiating this this um, remembrance ceremony. He said, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same after supper, he took the cup and he, he said, this is my blood poured out for you. Literally poured out. Running down the cross it would have been. And this tiny little cup doesn't give significance to the amount of blood that Jesus would have lost. He said, drink each time that you come together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again I thank you for for the amazing sacrifice that you made on our behalf to bring your glory into this world, to reveal your glory. Lord, I pray, as, as I've already said, that we would remember this um, wholeheartedly, that we would be full agents of your gospel, both in a personal way but in a... In a um, a missional kind of way as well. That the gospel wouldn't just be news to us, but that it would be a lifestyle where we welcome people into our lives in the way that you have welcomed us into your people. Lord, I pray and thank you again for, for your gospel, for your sacrifice. In your name, amen. Just hand your cups to the the uh, outside of the aisles, and the stewards will come around and pick them up.